0: Welcome to the Destiny Church Tees Valley podcast. As you listen, it is our prayer that you are transformed by audacious faith, inspiring hope, and extravagant love. Good morning, everybody. Uh, As introduced, Simon, this is my wife, Ali. Could you stand up, please, Ali? Yeah, this is... uh, Yeah, yeah. Even Ali gets a bark. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to see how many times I can get people clapping just to get the dog to bark today. That'd be great. Uh, right, thank you. <laughs> I've got. A, um, I have two children, and uh, who are both adults now. So Jack is 20 years old, and he's an apprentice engineer. So he's uh, studying his. Sorry. just taking a photo, and uh, <coughs> so uh, uh, Jack is studying uh, uh, engineering, and he is the science, maths person in my family, he's the geek in my family, he is the one who, anything to do with science, anything to do with mathematics, he is that kind of guy, he's absolutely brilliant, um, and uh, everything is absolutely pragmatic, has to be in order, and his whole life is geared that way. He's a brilliant young man. And my daughter, her name is Abby, or Abigail, and uh, her middle name is Taomi. Taomi, not Naomi, Taomi, Taomi, as it stands for an acrostic of the apple of my eye. Ah, Lovely, yeah. And she, go, she has just finished school and started an internship program in our church, in one church. And Abby used to go to school just to meet her friends. <laughs> school was an excuse to hang out with her friends. And getting her just to do anything towards her education was a big challenge. She, she's the social butterfly and uh, Jack is the, the geek. You couldn't get two more uh, opposite polar Uh, We call her uh, part Mother Teresa. Abby, I call her half uh, Mother Teresa and half Lady Gaga. (laughs) We never know which one's going to wake up in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Sometimes she wakes up and she so wants to serve the world. And then the next morning she wake up and she is the most selfish miss in the world. And uh, God bless you, Abby. We love you very much. (laughs) But it's the reason why Ali and I go away for a weekend, just to get away from her. So, um, just a regular dad and a regular mum, raising a regular family for an absolutely outstanding, wonderful God. God uses regular people, eh? Hello? If you're a regular person, watch out, because today's your day. God's gonna get hold of your life today. Are you ready for that? Have you got used to my accent yet? As you notice, I'm not from round here. Alright, will you forgive me for that? And uh that's that's good. I'm just taking my time to make sure you adjust to my uh dulcet tones. All happy? You're liking my humor as well, are you enjoying that? You just has that met your level? Yeah, everybody happy? Yeah? I can't even see the people on the back row, you're very happy, that's a very safe place to be until I start to step forward. <laughs> hey, <laughs> there you are, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> anyway, I'll go back and make you feel nervous later on in the service, okay. If you've got, a, a, your, um, if you've got your Bible, could you turn to Genesis 24 please? I just while you're looking in your smartphone or your iPad or your Bible for Genesis 24, I just want to say thank you to two amazing people. This is Jonathan and Kath, who are outstanding. This is going to be interesting because Kath's going to have to sign how amazing she is. <laughs> Kath is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Kath, Kath, Kath has such a passion and heart for this church and for the people of this church and she works very, very hard because she loves you and uh, it's been an honor to spend with Kath. Jonathan, Jonathan loves Jesus passionately and I, there, there's an old saying that says deep, uh, uh, fresh water, like refreshing water runs deep, and the refreshment of God runs deep in your heart, and he has just one desire to be a father to you, so that you can really dip into a well of the Holy Spirit and understand the goodness and freshness of God, and it's been an absolute privilege just to spend the last 24 hours with you both. Thank you for your hospitality, your generosity, and kind gifts, wonderful people. It's all right, I'm not worried, if you're not worried. It's okay. <laughs> hey, right, are you ready? Okay, I've got 34 minutes, 22 seconds. Here we go, we're going to read Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to read from the Nash, New International Version. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the se- senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all he had Put your hand under my thigh. Can we just pause there for a moment? Aren't you glad there are some things in the Old Testament that we don't carry over into the New Testament? Can you imagine Pastor Jonathan saying, "Ah, could you? I have a job for you." Oh, thank you very much. Would you place your hand under my thigh, please? That would be a little awkward. Is <laughs> part Pastor Jonathan standing there? <laughs> anyway, it's just my imagination. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son, for my daughters of the Canaanites among whom I'm living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. Now, this is a bit of a rough deal, isn't it? He says to his servant, I want you to go to another country, find a wife for my son, and then bring her back. Now, he goes, well, can I take your son with me? That might help. You You know, in the whole introduction thing, you know, hi... Got this guy who's really nice. The whole dating agency. It does help if you have at least a photograph, right? And they didn't have photographs in those days. I guess they could have acted it out or uh, try to pull faces that looked like him, right? And he just went, "No, do not take my son. There. This is a this is a rough deal. This is." But he agrees to do this. Let's pick it up at verse ten. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharaim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down at the well beside the town. It was toward evening, the time the woman would go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder she was the daughter of Bethel, the son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said. Let's just finish there. It's a lovely little love story, isn't it? So I'm I'm not going to talk about dating today and how to find a wife. And many times people talk about the faith of Abraham and the story of a servant who goes on a journey of faith to find this amazing lady. But when I read this passage, I thought, what an amazing lady. She is oblivious to the whole of the bu- every, the rest of the story, she's just living her normal life in a town in the middle of nowhere and not realizing that today is going to change her life forever. But God had noticed this woman. So I want to talk to you today about five lessons we can learn about from Rebecca. Five lessons from Rebecca. Five questions that if Rebecca was to come here today and I was to interview her, these are the five questions that she would ask us to help us learn from her experience. So this is Rebecca's testimony given in question form. I think the first question she would ask is this Are you loyal? It says in verse 15, before she'd even finished praying, Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of This was her normal job. It's what she did every day. Each morning, she'd get up and she'd pick up the jar. She'd put the jar on her shoulder. She'd carry the jar to the well. She'd put the jar down. She'd get the water out of the well, fill up the jar, put the jar back on her shoulder, carry it back home again. This is not the most glamorous job ever in the world, but this is a job that she would do every day faithfully because she was reliable, reliable, dependent, loyal. She'd pick up the jar the next day, put it on her shoulder, she would carry it to the well. She'd put the jar down, she'd put the water into the jar. She'd pick up the jar, put it back on her shoulder, she would carry it home again. And everybody would use that water. Next morning, she'd pick the jar up, she'd carry it, and she's starting to think Is this my future? Is this all it is? Is this all I'm about? Jar carrying ministries? Can't anybody see my potential? Puts the jar down, fills it with water, puts it back on her shoulder, slops a little bit because she's got a slight little attitude about it, carries back again. Brings it back home. And do you know what? They jolly well use the water. If only they'd use the water less, I wouldn't have to do it. But they lose the water. Next day, she picks up the jar. God, don't you know that I'm a worship leader? I'm not just a jar carrier. People... Fills it with water, sticks it on her shoulder... And she's walking back again. Oh, what, oh, Use the water, why don't you? Do you know what? I've met people like that. They forgot why they do what they do. They forgot that God loves loyal, faithful, dependable people. Who just serve with a beautiful spirit hello, God sees what you're doing, God notices. What if Rebecca, this morning, of all mornings, just went, I ain't doing it today, stuff them. Phoning in sick, hello pastor, oh, don't feel so good today, Ah, oh, oh, someone else needs to carry the water, oh. Yeah, if only they'd recognised what anointing I have on my life. I don't use, no one uses phones like that anymore, do they? Hello, Pastor. Is it off? Yeah. What if she'd phoned in that day? I'm not carrying the words today. God knows you. He sees you and he knows the hairs you have on your head. He knows the thoughts you think. He knows the dreams you have. He just needs you to be loyal, dependable, reliable. I I used to run a, a children's club called Mighty Band many years ago. And all the kids were called Mighties. We came to Mighty Band. And uh, there was a lady who was 80 years old. We called her Nanny G. If you remember Ali G, you'll understand why. And Nanny G used to go around the neighborhood and pick up around about seven or eight children and they would cling on her and she'd bring them to children's club every week. She'd bring them. And she'd join in. I used to have a rule. If you're part of the leaders club, if you're part of, if you're a leader part of the club, whatever we ask the children to do, the leaders would have to do as well. And bless her, when I got them to sit on the floor, it would take her half an hour to get there. But in the end, I said, no, no, it's all right. You don't have to do this. Once we were, uh, we were playing a game of bulldog and she just kept walking up and down the hall. I'm like, what are you doing? She says, I'm joining in. Oh, bless you. I'm like, well, I'm taking her out then. <laughs> But we found a little comfortable chair for her to sit on, an armchair, and if a child got hurt or just was having a difficult time, they'd just go and sit on her lap. And she'd pray for them. And she came to that children's club, dragging, carrying children every week until the day she died. Because she was loyal, dependable, reliable. She said, this is my job. Until someone asks me to do something else, you can depend on me to have water in the house because that's what you've asked me to do. Rebecca would ask us, are you loyal? Question two should say, is purity priority? I do find it really interesting how quaint the Bible is. I've already told you about the leader who asked you to put his hand under the thigh. That's a very awkward moment. But the first time that Rebecca is introduced to us, this is what how she's introduced. The woman was very beautiful. That's nice. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. Thank you. Well, There's some information that we kind of take for granted, but thank you for emphasizing this. What is the Bible trying to teach us here? Well, something that is a little bit awkward for us in our culture, isn't it? So, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have Hannah coming up in a moment, and she's going to give her a test Me. Here's Hannah. Everybody round of applause. She's a virgin. <laughs> virgin Hannah. Come on. Up on the stage. Thank you. Thank you. It's Hannah. <laughs> like this. Now tell me, Hannah, have you slept with anyone before? Oh, no, there, there you go. She's a virgin. Round of applause for Hannah. <laughs> now you're all laughing because that is a little weird it's in our culture, agreed? Poor Hannah standing there. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Bible trying to take, teach us? She kept herself pure. This is more than sexual purity. This is a purity that told me, tells me, that she believed there was better to come, that she didn't have to compromise in order to achieve the destiny that God had placed on her heart. Let me tell you something. You do not have to compromise on the destiny that God's placed on your heart. God does not need your help to do stuff that's his responsibility. He only requires you to do stuff that's your responsibility. Stop asking God to do stuff that's your stuff to do because he won't do it. If your prayer is asking God to do something that you can do, God will not answer that prayer. Just making sure everyone in the back row gets that. Did you hear what I said there? God won't do for you that you can do yourself. So if your prayer is God do something, and God says, I've already enabled you to do that, then get on with it. Everybody happy on the back row? Right. Oh no, you want me to stay? Hear what I'm saying here. I'd, there's some things that are in our hands that are our responsibility. And we must take those responsibilities. Way to picture this, and I call it spiritual adultery. There's a man who uh, who goes out he commits adultery. And he sneaks back into his into his house. And he sneaks into bed, the bed of his wife. And he still smells of the perfume of the woman he's been with. And the wife can smell the perfume of another woman. And she turns over and weeps into her pillow. We see these things on TV. But how many times have you spent, spiritually spent the week in the arms of the enemy of Jesus? You turn up here today with the smell of the perfume of the enemy. And you come in and say, hey, I'm in church. You get into bed And you have intimacy in worship. And Jesus weeps. Come on, church. I think it's time we just grew up a little bit. Let me tell you something. Jesus will forgive you every single time because it's easier to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. He will forgive you every single time. But you will never grow if you live in the cycle of your sin where you sin, say sorry, get forgiven. Sin, say sorry, get forgiven. Sin, say sorry. At some point, you've got to go, I don't want to live like this anymore because I'm not growing. I've got stuck. I need to... Grow some responsibility. I need to step out of my sin. Because that's what Jesus desires of you. He desires you to grow past your sin. He will forgive you. You understand what I'm saying? here. This lady, this lady was renowned for her purity. Church, let's be known for her purity. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, Paul writes to Timothy, says, set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Question three. Are you still with me? Question three is, can you be generous? Can you be generous? Ha. We see uh, uh, how Rebecca comes in verse at 19 and 20, we see how she offers this servant, says, can I get you a drink? And he has a little plan. He says, that would be customary to offer a drink. But to water 10 camels as well, this is like, this is a full-time job, right? Camels, when camels drink water, have you ever seen a camel drink water? Uh, at the end of the service, Google camels drinking water. Right? They drink a lot of water. This would have been a lot of effort to get the water out of the well just for the camels. Right? She was generous. Generous people go the extra mile. They don't just offer you something. They give you off something and a little bit extra. That's how we notice someone is generous. Your waitress knows when you're Generous. Because if you tip what everybody else tips, that's just normal. But if you double tip, she will say, that's a generous couple. Generosity goes beyond normality. Hello? Hello? Generosity is more than just your average. Generosity is something that makes you stand out. Rebecca stood out because of her generosity. Generosity is more than money. Generosity is a spirit. It's an attitude. It's it's generous people, when they come into church, they don't just come and sit down. They go and chat to people. See, this man here, he's a generous man. He wears a tie, but Jesus has forgiven him. (laughs) Oh, I like him like that. Yeah, It's just Jesus has to forgive him. (laughs) He's never met me before. But he came up to me. He says, hello. Told me off for not wearing a tie. (laughs) But he had that cheeky little smile. You know when someone is not serious? And I pushed back and Faith got worried. She thought she had to step in. Thought there was going to be a fight. But you blessed me this morning, sir with your generosity. Next time, can you make it a 20-pound note? (laughs) No, seriously. Generous. No, I'm not serious about a 20-pound note. (laughs) Generous. Generous in spirit. When you came today, did you give a little bit more than just what you were expecting for yourself? And if you didn't, make sure before you go home you bless someone with your wonderful personality. Now I used to go to church when they had hymn books. Anybody else used to go to church with hymn books? And then there was a big revolution in church where they brought in the overhead projector. There are people who called it the demon box. <laughs> there are <were> people like, <laughs> and, we, and suddenly instead of handing books out. We, we had to have people on a rotor to run the overhead projector. There are some people in the room who don't even know what an overhead projector is, right? But that's our how, that's how strange world. And uh, I was on the overhead projector rotor team. I'd, and uh, we, this new box had come in, and I, I, asked, I was asked to join the team. And uh, I quickly realized this was not a great thing to do, so I made loads and loads of excuses and just found myself doing it like once every six months. Didn't really enjoy doing it at all. Well, the thing I really aspired to be was a well, youth pastor. That was a really cool job. So uh, we had a youth pastor. And he said, we're going to be making some changes in, uh, in our team. And I want the following people to stay behind after youth tonight. Well, my name was called. And I just knew that God had spoken to him about me being the assistant youth leader. I just knew it. At last, he was recognizing, through my water-carrying abilities, yeah. this is my chance to step up. So I, I had high expectation, Pastor Jonathan. I had high expectation. And I sat on the front row with a sense of, like, anticipation that the gifts that God had placed inside me were finally going to be recognized and I was going to be appointed. Oh, I still remember to this day. He, he sat down. I, I can't remember your name. You got a sweep. Well, she's going to share them with everybody. <laughs> if you could uh, take one and pass them on, please. <laughs> what, what's your name? Esther. Her name's. Said <laughs> uh, so to Esther, yeah, take one, pass them on. <laughs> Esther says it's fine. Imagine it's communion and you'll be all right. <laughs> oh, they're your child's. Yeah. <laughs> She's eating her kids' sweets. Can you, can you put them back? Can you put them back? <laughs> right, yeah, this is a bit awkward. Yeah. Uh, have you put any in your mouth? Can you just yeah. spit it out, please? <laughs> Thank you. Right. right, don't, don't tell Esther, but take one and pass them on That's right. So Esther So Esther just said Esther, you're just so pastoral, you know. can you look after, you know, the pastoral care of the young ladies? Ali, you're so good at organising stuff and the activities, you're in charge of the program. Just kept going along the line, going on the line. I can like there's only one job left. Assistant Youth Pastor, Executive Assistant Youth was, I was thinking all the titles that could go along with this. Executive Assistant Youth Pastor. Maybe Apostle. Uh, didn't really understand all that in those days. He came to me. He said, Simon, I've got the perfect job for you. And I was ready for this. He said, I want you to be in charge of the overhead projector (laughs) rotator. Not just for the youth, for the whole church. He said, your first task is to write all the songs out. And we couldn't print them in those days. You had to write with a pen. I want you to write them all all out on acetate. There was 300 songs. (laughs) i can't be honest with you like no one would help me. I wrote these things out and I was the only one on overhead projector rotor every Sunday. I didn't mind it. If you sang the song in those days, you'd sing the song about 15 times. But I used to think that was great because you only had to put one song up. You know, maybe, you know. But when, when they started to bring in songs like Shine Jesus Shine, that was five acetates for one song. Like Lord the Lion goodness shine Jesus yeah okay thank you like that next verse next verse and then they said let's sing some hymns I used to hate that because that would be 10 acetates because they went for the old Charles Wesley songs you know they were just like forever putting it up forever putting it up forever but I must admit I was a bit cheeky sometimes like I would do I'd wait to the last two lines of the song and whip it off <laughs> and everybody would go oh there's another good trick. If, if we come back to overhead projectors, there's another good trick that you can do. You put the acetate on, right, and slowly, just gently tilt it like this. And the whole congregation do this. And then you tilt it the other way, and you can get people swaying ever so slowly. <laughs> just slowly tilting to the left, like, like a ship. <laughs> swaying in the tide like that. It didn't work. I did try this. If you got it and you whipped it the other way, it never, I was expecting the church to go woo like that. Never did work. I had a real problem. I had a real attitude about this. And I moaned that nobody had joined the team. Oh. And then I realized the problem was an attitude. I was not generous in my attitude at all. See, when you're not generous in your attitude, everybody else is wrong. And all you can see is the faults in everybody else, and nobody loves you, everyone hates you, you, may as well go and eat worms. Yeah, you remember. Girl guides. I was in the Girl Guides too. <laughs> Let me just stay with this story. I remember repenting before the Lord, my attitude. God, I'm sorry. I just see the worst in people all the time. Yet you loved people so much that you sent your son for them. You demonstrated generosity by giving your son to die. And all I can do is complain about this job that I've been given. Will you change my attitude? Well, something quite remarkable happened. My attitude changed. And I went to see the youth pass one day. I said, uh, can I just uh, have three minutes to make an announcement? He says, what for? He said, for the overhead projector rotor. And he rolled his eyes. He went, all right then. And I got up and said, guys, I've got a vision. This vision is not an- going to enable... The whole world to see the truth. I believe this vision will get us all singing on the same page. I was like, whoa. I said, when we get to, when we gather here, it would unite the church in one voice and one song. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, this is good. Even myself, I was telling this. I said, if you want to get behind this vision, you need to come and see me at the end. I'm not joking. Ten people came to see me. We want to be part of this vision. I said, good. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, (laughs) Friday, Saturday, you're writing the songs. (laughs) Overhead projector rotor. What changed? My attitude. Generous people attract generous people. If you want to have some beautiful people in your life, become beautiful. How do you become beautiful? Not through makeup not through youth. You become beautiful by having a generous attitude. I'm not just going to get you a drink. I'm going to water your camels as well. Never pass on the opportunity to water camels. That's what I say. (laughs) Always take the chance to go one step further. When you're in a tip for your waitress, just give a few extra pounds. She'll look after you much better next time you come. Your employees, your employer, be generous. Oh, you're just brown nosing. Oh, shut up. I'm fed up of society determining how I should live. I am going to live generous for my king. And I will honor his name by living out how he lived out for me. And if he goes the extra mile by sending his son to die for me, I can live a little bit extra by being generous every single day. And if you misread that, that's your problem. Because I know who I'm doing it for. I'm doing it for my Jesus who died for me in the first place. And all God's people said, Number four. What about the little people? This is a little bit like the other. I love the fact she called the servant my Lord. And I'm a big believer in this. Make people feel special. Make people feel special. I was talking to your leaders yesterday. I said, it's very simple. You just practice the 90-second rule. Do you know what the 90-second rule is? You have 90 seconds to compliment someone. So I met a young lady this morning, never met her before. Within 90 seconds, I told her she had a lovely scarf. Is that true? She's nodding for those listening to the tape. And she went, oh, thank you very much. I quite like that. What if we all live like that? Made little people feel like lords. Make little people feel like lords. God is no respecter of person. He loves every one of us. Let's give glory to God. Lastly, and I'll finish with this. The question she would ask is where is your faith? So the servant wasn't allowed to bring the son with him. They had no photographs. He couldn't whip out his iPhone and say, ah, here's a nice picture of him. There he is, sunbathing on the beach. What do you think? Nice looker? Yep. There he is. There is is no way. I suppose he could have got a stick (laughs) and drawn in the sand. And she's going, look at the size of that nose. Oh, no, no, it's not that big. (laughs) It's more, more. she had no idea who this person is. There were 10 camels full of goods. There's a good indicator that she had no idea what this was about. But let me tell you something. When you're full of faith, you are ready for the moment when it comes. Because faith is stirred in in the quiet place. Faith is grown in the place where nobody notices. Faith is grown where no one else can see what can happen But God has revealed something to you. He has prepared your heart. Faith is grown when you get on your knees and you seek God for your future. Faith is grown when you open your Bible and a scripture comes out and you grab hold of that promise and you say, that is mine. That is what God has said for me. That is where faith is grown. No one else may know it. You may not have the chance to pronounce it, but something is stirred inside of you so that when the moment happens... You're ready to go. On the old steam trains, the people who would work on the trains, they would load up the oven, or whatever it's called. Uh, Thanks, that's not helpful. (laughs) They'd load up the place where you put the coal. The grate, thank you. Coal, bits of wood. The fuel that's necessary and they'd put it ready. They'd close the hatch, lock it, and they'd take a piece of chalk and write RFM. So when the driver got on the train, he sees RFM. He's like, we're good to go. Doesn't even have to open it. RFM. What does RFM mean? Ready for match. Match. All it takes is a little stick with a little bit of gunpowder on the end to strike and drop into that grate and it can move a steam train. All it takes is one little spark if you're ready for it. Hello? Does this make sense? So faith, prepares you for something even though you can't see what exactly what's going to be god prepares something for you in the quiet place even though you're not sure exactly where it's going to go and you must stoke up that great stoke that great up with the word of god stoke that great up with prophecies that people have spoken over you stoke up that great with a prayer life that just honors god in what you're doing and saying god i'm ready I'm ready. R.F.M. This church, get yourself ready because you have been preparing something, preparing something, stoking up the grate. And you're thinking, this, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. I keep putting coal into this hole, but it's not going anywhere. Keep putting the coal in the hole because God's saying over to you, saying over you, FM, there is a moment coming and it's going to be a little spark and you open the grate and you drop that spark in and whoosh and the, everyone goes, how did that happen? How's that train moving? Because it was ready for, it was ready for, it was ready for the fire to fall and burn up what has been prepared. Faith, my Bible tells us. Someone tell me. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 1. My iPod's closed. What does Hebrews 11 verse 1 say? Someone tell me. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Perfect. sure what it's going to be. Feel that God's going to take us somewhere. And we're stoked, ready to go. The servant says to Rebecca, there's this bloke called Isaac. You're going to like him. He's a bit of a nice guy. Quite wealthy. Son of Abraham. Heard of Abraham? No? No? Oh, okay. Something in her heart says it's the right thing to do. Rebecca steps out of nowhere, steps in to the greatest story ever told, steps into the book of books, becomes part of our heritage today. And she stands in front of us today she asks us these five questions number one are you loyal because this is how you stoke the grate. this is how you put coal in the hole through loyalty are you pure because this is how you put coal in the hole are you generous because this is how you put coal into the hole are you with me do you treat little people like lords? Do you care about your community? Do you care about your society? Do you care about the people that no one else cares about? So this is how you put coal in the hole. Then you can say RF, and God will reward your faith. Well, it's been an absolute privilege to talk to you this morning. I hope you've heard something the Holy Spirit in your heart I'd like to pray for you would you pray with me please if God's spoken to your heart would you stand with me as a sign of saying God believe your Holy Spirit is ministering to me today I'm going to give you a couple of options you can raise your hands as if you've scored a goal you can raise your hands as if you're carrying a very heavy television. Or you can simply raise, put your hands in front of you as if you're Oliver Trist, asking for some more. I don't mind. But will you do something with your hands right now that says, I'm now prepared to receive something of the Holy Spirit? Raise your hands. Make sure you're using both your hands. Use both your hands, please. Just be obedient. Thank you. God wants to do something for this church. Holy Spirit, you see everybody with their hands raised. And the reason they have is because they're, they're expecting of something. Now, will you place something in their hands? Will you place something in their hands now? That only you can give. Heavenly Father, we accept responsibility for the things that are ours. And we choose to be loyal. We choose to be pure. We choose to be generous. We choose to care about the little people. And we believe that faith is being stirred in our hearts. And we're saying to you right now, Jesus, we are RFM. Come Holy Spirit, minister life to this church. And may this train get out of the station. To the destiny you've called it to be. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like to know more, please visit us at www.thedestinychurch.co.uk